to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. There are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, or wives and mothers. Their examples are inspirational to us all. Today's to no exception, you, right? It's true. I have been so inspired by Aileen. We had to do three parts, Cheryl. We did. We just had to. There was um, no way we could cut her off at two. And first of all, um, Aileen, you're so uh, dynamic. Whether you see the anointing or not, we do. And I love that you're 30 years old and you haven't been married. We'll just put that out there. Um <laughs> But he's right around the corner. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Have to listen to part two part to two, understand yes, that. Yes. Um, please go back, listen to part one, part two. You will not be sorry because the Lord caught Aileen's heart at a young age. She also is a second culture kid. There is so much to relate to. She homeschooled and uh, it didn't go well. That's something that a <laughs> lot of us can relate year to. year of high school, but... Right. Well, that didn't matter. And I didn't home, I didn't, wasn't homeschooled, but I tried to homeschool. So my kids, I'm like, see the grace, see the grace here, see what God still does. Um, so my mom really relates to all your teachings. When you bring that up, she's like, Aileen, I, I think I'm the Spanish version of Cheryl. I love that. Oh, I love that. I love that. I can't wait to meet her. Yes. So this is really exciting. So we've got you now. As we come into this, you're finally in the place uh, where you're ministering right now. And that's a place called Cajabamba. Mm-hmm. And we were talking that's in the hills of Peru. Yeah. And you were saying it's a, it's like a little village. You were, we were talking a little bit about the outdoor market. Mm-hmm. So before we go into, you know, and, and how the how the Lord like actually got you uh, there was because of um, health reasons. Right. So you're there. But for those listeners um, who aren't in Peru, um, there's a lot of um, animals mm-hmm. in Peru that we're not familiar with. Can you just tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of Cajabamba? Yeah, the the highlights of Cajabamba would have to be like we have more animals in the streets than we do cars. Uh, so we have, have llamas. Yeah, we have llamas. We have alpacas. Um, unfortunately, where I live, I don't, it's lower, but like if you go 30 minutes up the mountain, you'll see them. But yeah, so, but there are some, actually, I have a friend who has like them as pets. So Aww. yeah, he has like a big backyard and he has like two or three. I don't, yeah, I think he used their, yeah, their, um, what is it called? Their Fur, fur right. is very is very good for blankets or oh. pashminas. Oh, yes, yes. they're so nice. All the time when I go with missionaries, like with Talima or something, we all buy alpaca blankets, and they're Ooh. really good souvenirs. They're so. super soft too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about this? Is the thing that I hate. I hate snakes. Oh. So tell me about the snakes. Oh Lord, those are we have anacondas, but that's in the jungle. <laughs> no, no, no. I hate snakes, and I, I, I literally will have nightmares with anacondas and stuff no 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 mm-mm. i don't even need to bring those up they're I they're agree. in their little Next section topic. i can't mm-mm. i'll get nightmares tonight about this okay i'm so glad you said that because you know i have a trip planned for peru and i'm like i don't want to meet any snakes no 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 but it's i was in the jungle but i was just uh hiking back in um new york and there's a snake that crosses my path i'm hiking with my um, daughter my grandson and my husband and I yell snake and I run away and they all run 
too. No. <laughs> They're going to catch it. And they all were working oh, on catching it. Not. And then my daughter, who's I love to visit, she has snakes in her backyard and she just picks them up and goes, oh, it's just a garter snake. And I'm just oh. like, how are you my daughter? No. How is Jesus, this possible? Okay, let's continue on to the next topic. I'm yes. the shivers here. But I wanted to know a little bit about that with uh, Kahabamba. Thank you. You're safe. Because I probably going there, especially now that I know Aileen. So Aileen, so you're in Cajabamba, your parents are in Lima. Let's take it from there. Yeah. So right before I get there, my parents uh, take a mission trip to Cajabamba. The pastor had no idea my mom was born there. So when mm. my mom gets there, she's like, what? Mm-hmm. I, that's where I used to live. Like, who knows about Cajabamba? It's so deep and in the mountains. And so what had happened was that uh, when she was about eight years old, they had a government revolution. The president decided to take the land of the rich and give it to the poor. Uh, and so they were forced out of their homes and they were forced to go anywhere. They were left homeless, basically. Uh, they weren't even allowed to take clothes, mm-hmm. items, anything from in the house. They were just forced out. Um, And so that's why it was never discussed in my family because it was so uh, painful for my grandfather. It Mm. was like he almost committed suicide because of it Mm. because he lost everything. He Mm -hmm. was one of 23 Mm. brothers and sisters. He was the oldest one. Wow. And so he handled all the property. And I'm talking, it's almost all of Cajabamba. It's Mm. huge. It's almost an entire city, all the land that they owned. And so he would manage it and give to the family back in Lima. So it was insane. I mean, he managed all, that was their livelihood. And it was gone out of nowhere. So, um, and you can imagine they were rich. So they had good lives Mm -hmm. to be left in the air was very traumatic and so my parents uh, my mom moved over to Trujillo that's where she grew up in Trujillo Um, and that's a coastal city Uh, and from there never touched the subject again so now fast forward to her being I think she was um, 50 something when they went on the field and um, they're you know encountered with we're going to Cajabamba for a week. And she's like, what the heck? I haven't been there in 50 years. <laughs> wow. So uh, she, they go and um, there's just a revival. Like there's just hungry, hungry people really? for the word. Oh. And my dad is burdened because there's nowhere to send them. There's mm-hmm. not a healthy church in sight. There's not biblical doctrine. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's a lot of prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mm-hmm. manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of legalism. Like if you wear pants, yes. you're yes. a woman, you go to hell. Yep. You know, yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So they you know, just were not doing, they were like, my dad's like, where am I going to send them? He wasn't a pastor at the time. He was mm-hmm. just a missionary. So, uh, just a missionary. Sorry. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> he, you get it. And so he comes back with a burden, uh, mm-hmm. to go and visit the people. So every month for the next six months, he goes like two for two weeks out of them, out of the month and like visits them and like follows up and blah, blah, blah. And in that time, the family says, Hey, if you want to plant a church here, we offer up our garage. You can use our garage and we can start the church here. He's like, great idea. Great idea. I'll let the Bible college know. The Bible college, uh, John Bonner, shout out to John Bonner. Yes. Love the guy. Love Pilar. Yes. Love them so much. They had their Bible college three hours from us. They're in Cajamarca. Right. So as soon as he's like, I'll let John know. (laughs) They'll be sending over somebody for you. Yes, because he's not a pastor. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's like, yeah, I'll let him know. And so, uh, and you know, he like manifested John because basically John reaches out to him and says, hey, I want to send a team. So my graduating class of Bible college students, they need to do a mission trip. So I want to send them to you guys. He's like, we don't have a church. He's like, yeah, but you guys are doing a work. So uh, we want to follow, we want to follow up and like be involved. 
And uh, my dad's like, sweet. So he, I was serving in Lima, right? Um, actually, the Lord told me not to serve while I was in Lima. Mm. He's like, and the minute I get there, so this is me now. So the minute I get to Lima and I find out about Cajabamba, I'm like, what is this place? And I'm like, oh, my dad's going to help. But I don't know. What is he doing? I don't know. But he's having his thing. And I try to serve it in Lima. And the Lord's like, this isn't where I want you. You're not serving here. Mm. And I was like... Lord, you just sent me mm-hmm. from another continent, half dying. Why in the world am I here then? And he's like, it's not here. And that's it. That's all he said. It's not here. And I was like, oh man, Lord, like you're really killing me here. And I just have to say, okay, yeah. here you are for so many years. You're the one saying, no, Lord, not here, not here. I have a plan, Lord. I have. Yeah. And now this is the conversation. This is a real relationship yes. with Jesus because he's like, my turn. Nope. No, <laughs> so, so it's here. It's here. I'm, I'm in the place. He's like, no, <laughs> wait, what? So he, and he tells me not to serve, not to do worship, not to do, not to do kids, not to do anything. Just like sit. And I'm like, what am I? Okay. Why? Okay. So I just sit. Um, of course I disobey and I serve and I, that was bad. And of course I do it anyway. I get in trouble, whatever. Fine. Lord rebukes me. We have a great time. Um, and in that time he, he gives me uh, Deuteronomy 8, and I think it's the whole chapter, and Deuteronomy 10. And basically it says, he shows me where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and and I, when he gives this to me, I thought it was Lima, uh, because it's the land of my father. So he describes mm-hmm. the land of my oh, father. Right. Right? So I'm thinking it's Peru. Um, yes, because, sorry, he gave this to me right before I left for right, Lima. Right. So then when I read it again... Uh, that's when he's like, it's not here. And I was like, and you know why? Because the verses say, I'm sending you to the land of your fathers where it rains six six months out of the year and it doesn't rain the other six. (laughs) That's not Lima. Lima's a desert. It it drizzles and it's the most annoying thing. Um, It's green. It's also not Lima. Lima's a desert. Um, It's green. All kinds of fruit and produce grow on it. Also not Lima. Again, it's a desert. Um, It's, uh, oh, there's, it's a land of milk and honey, which is also a representation of gold. And in Lima, right? I think so. Um, I thought, I thought that was a representation of gold. Maybe I'm wrong, but whatever. It was like, kind of like, I I read somewhere that it was like a representation and underneath all our mountains, is gold. Oh my goodness. So it's like literally my parents built a house and they did like the uh, studies of the land and they had gold underneath oh their land. My goodness. They can't do anything with it because it's urban. Yeah. It's against the law, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. But yeah, so um, yeah, but it's everywhere. And it's, oh, and it's a land of bread. Mm. Bread, lots of mm-hmm. bread. And that's literally. Cajabamba. I've just described Cajabamba for you guys. Wow. Um, and so all this I'm reading that, I'm like, this is not Lima. This has nothing to do with Lima. So that's how I knew it wasn't Lima. So um, John calls us over. He's like, hey, we want you guys to go, right? So my dad's like, hey, can you come translate? Can mm-hmm. you come with us and translate? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So I we go a week early to like set up and do stuff. And as I'm, as I'm driving in, so I'm on the bus, the three hour bus ride. And as we're driving in, I'm in shock. Because I've never been. And I don't know how, but I was in Deuteronomy 8. And I'm mm-hmm. reading my confirmations as I'm looking. Wow. So beautiful. And I am in shock. And I'm just bawling because I was so done being in Lima. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I, th- I finally found where I'm supposed to be. Amen. And so I was like, man, this is it. And I knew it. Like the minute I got in, I was like, I'm here. I'm home. I'm here. And um, that's as my mom is telling me like mm-hmm. this, the history of mm-hmm. our family. Crazy. And um, as as we're in town, she's showing me where she went to school. She's showing wow. me who used to live there, which uncle used to live where, Whoa. what used to be theirs, what used to be the churches, what wow. used to be what this, 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 and this. And I'm in, like, she's like, my brothers went to this school. My my cousins went to this school. I was like, 
what? This yes. is crazy. This is my family. Like, if you say my mom's wow. last name, Iparraguirre, it is... You're if like you you're from Cajabamba. Yeah, try it. Try it out. <laughs> yeah, 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 you got it. You got I it. just went like this. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's crazy. Like you walk in and you just say, "Oh, what's your you know what's your name?" And I'm like, "Aileen Alegre Parreguire." And they're like, "Oh, oh, you're from here. You've been here your whole life." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, no, no, no." And uh, yeah, so it was crazy. And then uh, we did the whole trip, and uh, that's where. So we bring the kids back to the Bible College, which is three hours. In inland or whatever and uh, my dad goes hey John um, your kids any of them want to come and plant a church it's like mm-hmm. ripe for the taking you know and John looks at my dad and goes uh, why don't you do it mm. <laughs> and he's like eh, and there's a long story there but basically John's like you should just do it <laughs> my dad's like no 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 no, I can't I'm not a pastor seems to run uh, in the family re- uh-huh. yes it does <laughs> my dad and I are very similar um, and so he's, yes and he's like yeah uh, no and from then on my dad had the gnawing feeling which I completely relate to and uh, by February we went back to we took our furlough in January I finally was going back and I knew I was like dad if you're not gonna go plant the church I'm going to the Bible college or something I'm I gotta get out there I gotta do I gotta stay up there so if you're not willing to take the plunge it's fine whatever you do you but I gotta go and uh he's like he's like calm down I do I'm, I'm praying calm down and I'm like I'm just saying I'm going with or without you and he, so I did the reverse I did what he did to me and I just realized that I did what he did to me and when I was 14 um, Isn't that great? Yeah, if you think about it just love it. yeah so we get so at this time right before we take our furlough our um Another pastor, Pastor George Bustamante from Fort Lauderdale, he comes out and he uh, comes out to visit us. And the minute he gets off the plane, so this is my, he had my, he had his own same mm-hmm. story, very similar to mine, but basically he gets off the plane and he's like, so when are we going to Cajabamba? Mm. He goes to my, he goes to my dad, when are we going to Cajabamba? And my, my dad's like, why do we need to go to Cajabamba? We have a whole church here that you support mm-hmm. and love and we need to go there. He's like, no, no, no. And he, bo- like that day he made us book a flight for my dad and him to mm. go see Cajabamba. Wow. So this was like a two, three day trip. Yes. So then he goes back to Florida. We go to Florida two weeks later. And the minute we go and see our missions pastor and we go to the missions office. So it's just chat. Everyone's there. Mm-hmm. The minute we walk in, our names are on a board. Aileen, Juan, Sandra, Aileen, uh, church plant, Cajabamba. Wow. Just like that. And we're like, Done. like, we're like, what? My dad's like, did I agree to this? <laughs> I did not agree to this. And I'm like, well, you did now. Cause yeah. this is where it's going. The I'm Lord like, signed your name t- for you. Yeah. 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 It's like either you take it or you leave it, but you, you just got to make a decision, dad. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And, um, and he prayed and the Lord, you know, he has his own story, but the Lord really confirmed for him, uh, in every way known to man. And so he's like, I'm going. So we, uh, basically in, on May 5th, we had our first church service wow. in Cajabamba 2013 we had five people us three and like two more yes I <laughs> know those feelings it. I know yes. that yes Brian and I have started two churches I know exactly yes. what that's like so that yes. was 2013 so yes. that was 10, ten years, years from when mm-hmm. we're recording this yes. right now 10 years yeah. so what's happened in 10 years Oof, so much so when we got there um we just started church right we didn't know what we were doing it's not like anybody really gives you classes for this i mean they try but let's be real they don't work so you got to learn it on there it's kind of like marriage counseling (laughs) i mean yeah it's like useful kind of you know and so we got there we were like okay we do sunday service and then what else do we do and uh we started with a prayer service and so we would do sunday service and a prayer service and then we would just kind of be with the people and get to know the land and get to know where we were and everything right um and 
at the time, we um, started receiving um, probably after a year of like getting, we got a Wednesday service. We just started, you know, getting momentum. So after about a year, we we're huge um, outreach people. Of course, we're Calvary. Also, we have that ingrained. And um, so we go and we start doing outreaches. Um, here's where I'm also an unlikely missionary. I don't like, uh, I'm not a huge fan of children's ministry. Don't like it. Uh, don't not a huge fans of children in general uh, as a whole when there's a lot of them maybe one-on-one I'm better but I'm not great with like a lot of them and then also I don't like hospital ministry I'm very it's very difficult for me to have any kind of compassion ministry it's like not my gifting and the first thing we do I'm in kids ministry I'm in charge of kids ministry and we start visiting hospitals hospitals give me anxiety Mm -hmm. and like I that's that's what I had to go do and like it was and it's hard it was fun to to have my mom as my leader and my dad as my leader because it was like let's go and it was like I don't want to go <laughs> you know and there was just so much of that and you can and, be honest <laughs> yes and I'm honest they know they've they've I feel bad for them they've they've had a lot of patience with me thankfully I'm their daughter and so um yeah so we did a lot of ministry but that opened the door to um them calling us to help with abandoned babies it's mm-hmm. um, we are the number one city in the region for child uh, teenage pregnancies mm. and so a lot of babies would be abandoned in the hospital and um, and we'd go in with what we could with whatever we would scrounge from the church clothing mm. formula bottles whatever and we would help and we started getting the reputation of being the church that helps like I would get stopped in the streets if there was a need and they'd be like hey you're from the church that helps we have this this and this need Mm. can you help can you come through Mm. and so we just were like okay I guess this is where the Lord's leading again we had no agenda Mm -hmm. and so the Lord just starts funneling us through this this uh, title of being the church that helps God gives you the name yes God gives you the name and so we started going through from being with children with babies to helping women and these women uh we discovered a very dark dark part of uh, peru and especially the mountains of peru especially Cabamba. the dark part about peru is feminicides we are the leading country in feminicides so mm. women being murdered mm. for just being women mm. for if really? they look yes oh, if wow. if you're in a relationship whether you're married or you have a spouse whatever unofficial thing you got going on in the mountains it's very prevalent for you to be murdered because he's jealous like mm. you looked at a guy wrong and he just machetes wow. you to death. Liter- mm. True story though. True story. Mm. Like literally a woman was macheted to death because she, the, the husband thought she was cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's normal. Uh, I just five, maybe a week ago, we had five children. Their mother was murdered by the dad. The dad slit her throat because he, she was going to leave. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's crazy the way mm-hmm. it works and it's all the way in Lima as well, but it's very prevalent in the mountains because we're just deep in there and law enforcement and it's limited. Um, and so we started receiving help, uh, asking, they started asking us for help because we'd get women that were left for dead, pre- pretty much broken ribs, br- black eyes, like just m- black, like completely battered. And they would be brought to the hospital and under protection by the police because the husband would want to come back and, mm-hmm. and get her out of the hospital and continue mm-hmm. to beat her. So we would get help. We'd either offer protection. We'd put them up in like a safe house that we would find somewhere. And, and we would also provide for other things. And so that's, that's how we started working. But this was like very um, unofficial, very right. unofficial. Right. So then from there, we tried to work with the authorities, but we got a lot of backlash. Oh, right. They're probably in yeah. on it. Yeah. No, uh, uh, it was just um, one. Yeah. Some of them have that mentality of the cultural thing, but others, uh, they don't trust us in the right. mountains because of Sendero Luminoso, which is, 
the terrorist movement and because of other things that happened with gringos, white people or people from out of Peru, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of speculation and suspicion towards Mm -hmm. extranjeros, towards uh, foreigners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we would get a lot of like backlash, you know, and a lot of even uh, though you're Peruvian, even Mm -hmm. though we're Peruvian, but we don't look proofing. Mm-hmm. My dad is six foot. Oh, wow. <laughs> and huge. Uh, yeah, he's got a mustache. He looks Arab. And I am, you know, five seven, five eight. Yeah. So that's very weird uh, for a Peruvian. So we don't look, I also have blue hair. I'm also very weird looking for a Peruvian and I don't look Peruvian. So uh, yeah. So anyway, um, we get there and they're going hard on, on just backlash. But through the time I and mean, just persevering because this is now we're probably five years in by the time we mm-hmm. uh, are working with the battered women um, we I guess because we persevered and we didn't uh, let them push us back we kept helping in other other side side streets you know we didn't mm-hmm. go through the authority mm-hmm that they included us. By 2018, we were included in this like a coalition of helping the movement. Mm-hmm. And um, and we started helping teenagers, teenage pregnancies and, and, and teenagers. And, um, and our first case was in 2018. They called us asking us to house an 11-year-old little girl who had been um, abused by her father and she became pregnant by mm. him. And she had the baby at 11 mm. years old. Um, and so they called us and this was a nationwide... Um, issue obviously mm. it reached all the news and they were like we need you to hide her and we need you not to say anything and can you help us because we have nowhere to put her up we have nowhere to protect her we have nowhere mm-hmm. and that's where we started what you guys now see in front of you the refuge of hope because we um through that we opened up uh temporary housing mm. for children uh, and teenagers that have been abused physically, sexually, and psycho- psychologically. We uh, it's abandoned children, neglected children, all those kinds of children. What they would the government would do is just uh, take them, remove them from their homes, and put them on a mattress in a jail cell because there was oh. nowhere to put them. There's just oh. nowhere to protect them. Right. So we through this experience with the 11 year old girl, we became a safe house for children temporarily. <clears throat> and then we realized we needed permanent housing, so we started an orphanage. <laughs> and that's the orphanage is the refuge of hope, where we we're hope- looking at a flyer so that yes. the building is going up and yes, it's way bigger now. And the most beautiful the children. little children. Yes. Yes. Back. So uh-huh. are these part of the children? Those are part of the community that we build the orphanage on. Okay. So yeah, so Cheryl, and some of them. Does the yeah. story remind you of Lillian Trasher? It and- does. Just one child, yep. and then more and more came, and more people were bringing babies to her in Egypt right. yes. and saying, you're the one who helps. Yeah. So now you have a building. Mm-hmm. Now you have this ministry. You know, Elaine, I don't even want to stop this podcast because, I mean, we could do like six more just about all, all the that the stories. Lord's doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we will be posting this on, on the website yes. you know, with your name and those yes. who listen so they could give to Refuge of uh, hope. So yes, please. So the ministry, it's a full ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, what about ministry. the moms and the women? The we, we do hope to, um, we had to focus on one. They made us kind of, mm-hmm. kind of get specific because you can't, um, you can't have the children legally with women. Mm. You have to be separate. So we had to kind of focus on one, but we still help. We still, uh, that's what the temporary housing is for. So the refuge of hope is the permanent housing. That's where, uh, we hope to have four buildings. Uh, each building will have three floors and each floor will be its own penthouse basically. Mm -hmm. And in that house, there will be room for eight children. So we hope Mm -hmm. to have 80 to a hundred. Um, that's going to be the final project. We're actually purchasing more land soon. 
to expand. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll have 80 to 100 and we want to have a mom and a dad in each uh, each building, each floor, sorry, mm-hmm. each floor. Or kind a of like mom. Ebenezer Grace. Yes. Uh, Sean and Megan right. are Sean my and Megan inspiration. Have a lot, right. Yes. Right. They were, they are the people that I took notes from. I right. would say hours and learn from them. So yes. Um, and so that's where we are going with that. And then my, for example, I have a house. I am a single mom. I'm a single foster mom. And so I have a little girl. She's 11, 12 years old. Her name's Yomi and I love her to death. And, um, I, um, and I've had many more before her. So, um, and and so my house is temporary. Sandra and Juan's house, my, the pastors, are temporary too. So we'll have the kids first for two months, two to three months, while they're in the legal process of becoming, um, I guess, orphans, unfortunately. And they have to also testify against their abuser. So they need mm. that protection. So they're with us for three, two to three months, and then they need to go to permanent housing. And that, unfortunately, is where we hit the snag because Peru is overrun with permanent with. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids in the refuges so Mm. it's just there's no room for them Mm -hmm. so there's a lots of opportunity for all of our listeners to pray pray Mm -hmm. for you because you need the emotional and the spiritual strength to pray for the ministry refuge of hope uh and to give i just want to put this out there you can give um zell yes and you could do the refuge of hope and or you can go to the website, which will give you all this information, and it's called therefugeofhope.com. And we'd really, you know, encourage you to give, to think about this ministry. I mean, it's dynamic. I mean, to think of where God has brought you mm-hmm. and to this place where you're at right now. What an inspiration. Amen. What an incredible ministry. Yes. And there's Lee, you are a joy. Oh, so much so more for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me, guys. Again, that's therefugeofhope.com. Pray. Pray about giving. Pray about maybe even going and visiting. Thank you for listening Parababa. to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not so well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.